All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another Her Wild Outdoors episode. Uh, Michelle Sherman, hello. Thank you for joining. Hi. Yes. Thanks for having me. And and we we did this quick. Like we saw we met each other at the Poma conference. We're yes. like, hey, we should do podcasts. Bam, here we are. are. I love it because I think that those are, you know, we didn't get a whole lot of a chance to sit down and talk to each other because it's a conference. There are tons of people there. And so you don't get to just be like, okay, one-on-one for an hour. But guess what I get to do today? Yeah. (laughs) And I love that. That's the beauty of it, right? It really is. book a podcast. We'll get this done. Yeah. And we get to kind of, know each other more behind the scenes in a one-on-one conversation. I think that's why I love doing this because I feel like I leave these conversations with, with a friend and it's because we can get kind of down to who you are and what your passions are and why they are what they are. Um, So I'm grateful that you are here today. On Zoom, (laughs) which makes it so much easier sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give us just a little bit of a background on who you are. Um, And I mean, you're the president of POMA, which is how I've met you. But give me give us just a little bit of background before that on how the outdoors has infiltrated your life, how how it has inspired you. Sure. Um. Well, the outdoors has always been a part of my life because mm. I grew up on a farm in South Dakota. I milk cows. I raised baby calves. I raised baby chicks and baby ducks. I killed them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's farm you know, life. the cycle of life very mm-hmm. quickly. Grew up on a farm. Um, I was in 4-H. I showed dairy cattle. was my thing. I was very good at it. Uh, loved horses. Uh, I showed rabbits even. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Never got pigs. Disgusting creatures. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, some people would say that about rabbits, too, sometimes. Nope. 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 Love my rabbits. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the simple life, mm-hmm. definitely back then. I mean, we were 15 miles from any town, literally out in the middle of nowhere in South Dakota, dirt roads everywhere. Um, you know, I was the farmer's daughter, the farmer's kid. I'm the youngest of four. There was 12 years between my sister and I. So when she was 18, graduating from high school, one of my brothers was graduating from eighth grade. It was a thing back then. You graduated from eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I was graduating from kindergarten and as soon as she graduated, she left. Right. She left because she was the firstborn. She was the daughter. Um, she got the heck out of Dodge and, you know, was looking for the big city life. Um, so, yeah, I was I was very I think that's where my independent streak comes from, because I had to learn to be comfortable by myself mm-hmm. and on my own, mm-hmm. you know, do my own thing. Yeah. And that makes sense. <laughs> That makes sense, though. I mean, I'm I my brother is 10 years younger than me. And even though we have a great relationship, he for the most part, the last I would say six years of his life, he was an only child. And, you know, by the time you get through four kids, (laughs) you're you're like, dude, you can raise yourself. Um, (laughs) I I was literally forgotten at school one time, Mm -hmm. like my my brothers forgot about me and mm-hmm. my teacher had to call my parents to come pick me up. I mean, <laughs> scarred to this day. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you get to do all the things that they never got. My sister is pissed to this day Oh yeah, that I got swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling, but you know, I got to do things growing up that, I mean, I feel like I had more of a thumb on my head because it was first child, what if we mess up? But I feel like when I did leave, I was probably a lot like your sister. I just left and I didn't really come back. No, she didn't either. She never looked back. No. No. So each kid, I guess, whatever birth order, if you want to apply all of that. (laughs) uh, It's true. That it is like therapy as we went through it. (laughs) It explains a whole lot for birth order. But I think each person 
in that order has its place and has their place in society. And so like I married a a baby of the family. Um, oh, so did I. Yeah. So, did I. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, it it I the independence that comes from what you grew up in kind of makes who you are today. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think it dictates the remainder of your life, mm-hmm. whether you believe in it or not. Sorry, it does. Yeah, like, no, it does. Yeah. And I think that you can change depending on whatever, uh, like we had a couple things happen growing up in which I switched a, your normal birth order uh, personality with my younger sister. And oh, really? we're only 13 months apart, so we're very close to Irish twins of age, but we did switch that. She's the type A um, uh, personality, which is usually that firstborn, and I'm more of the peacemaker. And so we kind of switched roles because of certain things that happened along the way growing up. And so I yeah. think, it, you know, it all just depends. It depends on what you go through on how, yeah. who steps up and, and takes over that leadership position. But, but yeah, I love 4-H. We grew up in a small town. <laughs> I was not allowed to be a part of 4-H, but. What? Oh yeah. It was, so we lived in the city. It was a small city, but we lived inside of the city. And then all of my friends with the little country school that I then went to were all in 4-H. So I was always jealous, always. Uh, We had a friend come. I had a friend in class who came and did an oral presentation on how to castrate a cow, a bull. Um, Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that's so fascinating. <laughs> Everybody else that's was in intense. class going, that's disgusting. I was going, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> but my nieces were in 4-H. My kids have been able to experience, uh, you know, raising rabbits and watching the process, like you said, from from beginning to end because those rabbits yep. were sold as meat rabbits. And yep. and so I think learn, it's, you learn the cycle of life and you, you learn to be okay with it. Yeah. You learn where your food comes from, Dad Gummit. Yep. And I think that it's so valuable that even though I wasn't in it, I was able to learn from friends who were. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I loved in 4-H, like I said, I did dairy. So what in the dairy part you grabbed, I, I showed heifers, I showed cows. Mm-hmm. Usually you grabbed an animal from the, from the herd that you felt show, displayed the best, you know, characteristics mm-hmm. that yeah. was going to be judged. You calm that animal down, you trained them. Um, some are easier than others <laughs> and you showed them and this animal was your pet. You slept with them. Uh-huh. You cared for them. You named them. You like, literally I slept with them like at the show, like we get the fluffy straw and everything. Um, and then you showed them. And it, like I said, I was very good at what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I earned trophies. I earned money. And then we, we, as soon as you got home, you flipped them out back into the herd and they were wild like that. Mm-hmm. Like, like literally a switch was flipped and you could never approach them again. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> You're like all that work and you forget me in a second. <laughs> and you only knew, like usually I did uh, Holsteins, like you only knew which one it was based because it still was like shaved mm-hmm. from the show. Mm-hmm. Like their hair was still, you know. <laughs> yeah. But because they just went rogue afterwards, there was no. Well, he was back with the herd. He's yeah. like, "Well, this is you know herd mentality again." Mm-hmm. And and I and I, it was fine. Like I got my money. Yeah. And my lessons and my life experience, and they're like, "Okay, we'll do this all over again next year." And yeah. it was like, some people were like, "Oh, but you had to sell it, and you you know it came became meat and not like, always, yeah, so. but not always, <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, yeah." Yeah, you're you're either breeding after that, or right. like there are a whole de- a whole lot of different ways that it can go. But yeah, they're they're work animals. They're it's not yeah. not your pet. No, Mm-mm. no. But it kind of keeps that distance. Um, I don't know. You still create relationship, right? You still respect the animal. You still. Oh, like I said, yeah. You name yeah. them. You mm-hmm. Definitely 
they had their quirks, like you learned all about it. And, and, but yeah, you respected that animal. And of course that animal didn't want to be pampered like that. And, yeah. and I mean, they wanted to be with the herd. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as soon as, as soon as you let them go, man, They're they back. kick up their, they would literally kick up their, as soon as they got out of that trailer, <laughs> they would kick up their heels Two, I mean, and cows don't do that. Cows do. I mean, that's like a cartoon thing, but like they would kick up their heels a couple times and run around with their tails up in the air. They were so happy mm-hmm. to be out with the herd. They were, they were back because that is what their brains are fully engaged to. That's yeah. what they're supposed to be. Uh, so when did hunting jump in? It never did. You know, honestly, it never did until I was older. So mm-hmm. like I said, the baby, the family. Yeah. Grew up in South Dakota. You think I would have gone pheasant hunting all the time, but I didn't mm-hmm. because I was so young. My brothers always went, I mean, pheasant hunting was light. Like it was like life. It wasn't a planned thing. The guns were always in the truck. Mm-hmm. You, if you were out fixing fence and a pheasant flushed, you shot it and you took it home. Like it was not it was not a thing until I grew up and I learned like what a big that people spend thousands of dollars to go to these lodges in South Dakota, which I just think is hilarious, but <laughs> um, whatever. Yeah. And so, <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I didn't actually go pheasant hunting until I started working at Sportsman Channel mm-hmm. and I met some of the TV producers there, one of them being Melissa Bachman, who yeah. hosts Winchester Deadly Passion. And she was going on a pheasant hunt in South Dakota. And um, I was like, hey, I would really like to do this with you. And so she's like, yeah, I'm going to film it even. So let's film us pheasant hunting, which... Filming pheasant hunting is a lot like filming fishing. For some people, it's like watching paint dry. Um, <laughs> it's extremely difficult mm-hmm. to pull off an ex- a quote unquote exciting pheasant hunt for TV. Um, but we did our best. I mean, we we did our best. We shot our best. We, you know, we did the cutaway interviews to me and everything, you know, talking about my childhood. And because I was like 30 miles from where I grew up, where oh, we were yeah. hunting. Um, so, yeah, that. That was a long, and it wasn't, it wasn't that my dad, I don't think like neglected me per se from hunting, but that I was a girl. I was the baby of the family and I had two older brothers and they did the hunting. End of story. Right. No, I have said over and over in countless interviews or, or conversations, I was never told I couldn't ever. Right. There was never, and, and. You know, some people might have, I don't, some women might have at times, but I was never told as a kid growing up, you cannot hunt. In my family, nobody hunted in my family. And so there just wasn't opportunity. But there were tons of friends around me that did. I just, it just was kind of assumed that I wouldn't have wanted to. So I just wasn't asked. It was was implied. Right, right. Now, I don't know. I think that if I had been asked, I would have said, yeah, I'd like to try it. But I didn't even know, I think at the time, that it was something I could do. Right. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing. It, I, but yeah, I was never told I couldn't. It just wasn't an opportunity given uh, until later. So I can't sit here and go, well, you know, why didn't you include me? Why did you tell me I couldn't? That it had nothing to do with that. My younger brothers. No, I can't get upset no, with my parents. My, my younger brothers hunted, but my, my stepdad learned how to hunt because they wanted to learn how to. Um, mm-hmm. And it was because their buddies were. And so mm-hmm. their hunting life didn't even start until high school. So mm-hmm. and I, we hunted for the first time this year together, all together. And oh, it wow. was so cool. We wanted to take my my baby brother on a duck hunt before he shipped off with the army uh, overseas. And we just all got to go. And it was, they were like, we're going to do this again. <laughs> we yeah. had just never done it together. Good for you. Yeah, it was fun. But, okay, so you started with pheasant. 
Yes. As an adult, is there yep. anything under your belt since then, since you started with that? Did it kind of create a, a, uh, a rolling ball or was that just kind of what you stuck with? Yeah, for a little while there, because of the opportunities I did have with Sportsman Channel, and at the time I was director of communications, so Mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of connections in the industry. I did a turkey hunt with another TV show. I've been on a few TV shows. but yeah, but like in the, in the two thousands, no one ever watched him. But anyway, so I was on a um, in Indiana with another TV producer. Mm-hmm. He shot the Tom. I shot the Jake. I don't know about that. Anyway, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. we'll get into that. Um, like, why would you take a newbie on a hunt and make them shoot the Jake and you shoot the Tom and you shot like a million yeah. your entire life, but mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But that was great. Um, I think the the thing I loved about that turkey hunt the most was that, you know, we were up at like 435 out, out in the blind. We were actually in a blind in a field. I shot the bird. We were eating breakfast by seven. Isn't that awesome? And I was like, I could do this. I don't know how hard this is, you guys. I don't understand (laughs) what the problem is. (laughs) See, and I went on, I got my first turkey this year after three years of hunting a turkey. (laughs) I was, I was definitely spoiled. Um, yeah. And I've gone out turkey hunting a few times on private property, you mm-hmm. know, with a couple of friends after that. Um, and then I've done a goose hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd done a goose hunt with then Congressman Paul Ryan out of Madison. He was, he represented in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also filmed for TV. Um, yeah. Paul Ryan was a huge, huge hunter. I mean, when he was, going for the office. I think his code name was bow hunter. That's awesome. Secret service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And then I've been on some, you know, deer hunting in South Dakota and deer hunting in Minnesota, Wisconsin are two different things, even though we're like a couple hundred miles apart there. It's a complete different mentality. Yeah. It's the styles are different. Like I didn't understand tree stands and blinds. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you're in a tree? <laughs> a, you don't even have tree stand. We don't have trees in South Dakota. Uh-huh. And, and B like, why are you sitting in a blind? Like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, it is quite different. Like you've, you have been to Nashville. You have seen the terrain that the woods and the, You've got some fields that you're in, but I've done both here in Tennessee. I I started hunting from a tree stand. I have hunted from um, from a strap on. I've I've hunted from the ground, and I've gotten deer all of those different ways. Uh, yeah, running and gunning, and and sitting in a tree, and they each have their story, right? They they each have yeah. their reason for it. The when I started, we were hunting on five acres and you're just, you're just hoping that the deer pass through. You're hoping that in the off season, you created such a habit of them wanting to walk through from a bedding area to a watering area that, that they're just going to continue during the season. And, and it's just a lot of crossed fingers and staying out of the wind. So that that was my introduction to hunting <laughs> was yeah, to stay yeah, out. We did, and we didn't have, you know, we didn't have all the gear and the equipment no. we have today, you know, like we wore Carhartt. Yeah. And, you know, there was no wind detection mm-hmm. or all that. I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah. But it, it, I think that the fascination that I've had from it is – holy cow, how different each day can be. I have been in a tree stand and I've seen them move and I know where they're going. So I'm going to get down and go after them. It's, uh, it creates opportunity where you don't quite know where your day is going to go. And I think that's the most exciting part to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't wait. I'm coming over West to Montana in November for a mule deer hunt. And it is going to be completely different than anything I've ever experienced. And 
that's the joy of the outdoors world is you can travel wherever and hunt different species or even the same species in a different place and be learning constantly. And it's a completely different hunt and a completely mm-hmm. different set of skills that you need. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm excited to be going with, oh, with women <laughs> and we're going <laughs> to do our damnedest to, to bring home deer. <laughs> but best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I want to switch gears just a little bit and, yeah. and kind of trickle into Poma because Poma has kind of like we we had talked during the conference about the value of Poma. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you don't know what Poma is, Poma is the Professional Outdoor Media Association. Michelle is president mm-hmm. and uh, it has changed over the past couple of years. And I think in a positive way. So give us yeah. just how did you first get involved with Poma? I. I've been involved since day one. I yeah. was there when Poma split off from OWAA back in the day because I was I was at the time the director of communications for Sportsman Channel. So I was a corporate partner mm-hmm. and we saw the value in being members of both organizations. Like we understood the split, um, but we saw still saw the value. So I was still going to like OWAA conferences and then I was going to Poma conferences. Mm-hmm. And that went on for a little while until I was at an OWAA conference and then I sponsored a dinner. And so I was getting, I, I was speaking, right? Sponsoring a dinner is a big deal because you get up and speak. Exactly. And um, one of the board of directors at the time, this is like 10 years ago, maybe longer, asked me about kill shots on Sportsman Channel and why we did kill shots and what the point was. And mind you, I was like a PR director in my early thirties. And this older (laughs) gentleman was like grilling me about kill shots, which I have zero control over. Right. Um, and, and, and it's, and that kill shot genre, that whole piece Mm -hmm. of the hunt has definitely changed from the 1980s, nineties, two thousands to today. Um, what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable. And so after that, we, we actually pulled out of OWAA because we saw that it just wasn't where we being the sportsman channel um, mm-hmm. and our hunt shoot fish culture, you know, needed to be. And so we did do more with Poma. Um, and so that's how I always saw myself doing some, doing something with Poma and, and being more involved with Poma. And it, it, it's a long tail. I mean, it took me a long time. 15 years, I guess. Uh, It's it's an investment. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to finally be here and to be able to enact change um, for the good. And, and there has been, like you said, positive movement in the last couple of years. And I think one of those positive movements is us not changing who we are, mm-hmm. but embracing all those who want to know more and are doing more and are learning more about the outdoors, whether it's hunt, shoot, fish, camp, hike, whatever, you are welcome at POMA. Um, and it, if you're a content creator, you're welcome at POMA. If you're a blogger, you're a welcome. I mean, it doesn't, however you generate that media to educate others, you know, we, we learned a few years ago, like we need to embrace mm-hmm. the content creators and get and, and help them and get them over here. And I think that's made a huge difference. I think so too. And I think that, you know, with any, with anything, you have to evolve with time and you have to evolve with how media is evolving. It's not just yeah. print anymore and it's not just, um, it's there's so much more when describing media now than there was even 15 years ago. So as you evolve, you have to kind of ask what what criteria should mm-hmm. be like, what standard should this be held at? Because communication is vital, vital to getting 
the message across for how important the outdoors is and protecting mm-hmm. the outdoors. And um, the word conservation is thrown out so much, but when it comes down to it, it's just communication of what real people are doing to to save what we've got right now and make it better. Exactly. And so that standard for the level of communication is important. It's not just any Joe Schmo off the street who can pretend they know what they're talking about. It's real value that brings um, that brings the standard to a level that's good. And I think like all levels are welcome. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is criteria but like if you are starting out I mean there's associate there's a place yes yeah Yeah. there's a place for you and then and then as you get more under your feet then you can climb that membership rank and be a voting member um so yeah there I mean that is on purpose Mm -hmm. you know to to know that it's okay you can be right out of college or you can be in college and not have a lot on your resume and you're still welcome at Poma yeah Yep. And there's, there are, I was, I was talking to a couple of people who have been there for a couple of years. This was my first year at the conference, first year being a part of POMA, but I, I, I talked to a couple of people who have been there for a long time and the amount of women there this year was so exciting to everybody across the board. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good thing, though. I yeah, think. it was. Yeah, but uh, usually, you know, I I am used to being a very male dem- dominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Area. I mean, before Sportsman Channel, even I worked for an a wholesale auto auction that my my parents owned, and I was the only female amongst all men, and so I'm used to being the only woman in the room, mm-hmm. um, which is probably also why I get my, I have a kind of an edge to me. And that's also where that probably comes from. But, um, and I don't, I don't, I think it's just the industry as a whole is welcoming more women into its fold. More women are learning to use their voice. Yes. And I'm not talking just influencers. I mean, mm-hmm. like yourself as a podcaster, as a content creator, Adrian, that you just interviewed before this with review this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, yeah, like just pe- women are just saying, Hey, I like this. I want to do it. So I'm going to pursue it. Right. And they just do it. Right. <laughs> I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually, about how influential a woman's voice is. Mm. And if you are anywhere in the public eye, you are influencing. That's just how it is. If your page is public and somebody, even if it's just one person, is following you, you are influencing that person. You have uh, you have influence over people. But I think that the voice of a woman is standing out as being especially in the outdoors, is standing out as being one that is A, easier to talk to. Mm. There's empathy that comes from a woman. And I'm not saying that men don't have empathy, but when a woman is having a conversation with someone, whether they're a man or a woman, that empathy comes out. And it's it. there's a little bit of... There's the ability for me to go to a non-hunter and have a conversation and find common ground without me needing to win an argument. Right. I I don't have, I would rather have mutual respect over one common thing than, than stepping out and having to have them agree with me on everything. I just don't, that's not necessary. And I think that that's, I'm able to build rapport. I'm able to build a mutual respect. We're able to have more conversations. And a year down the road, we might have a different kind of conversation that brings them into being a hunting supporter or an angler supporter versus going in the opposite direction. Right. Yeah. But I think that we do. I think it is. I think that people are noticing that women do have a voice right now and they have. And they have 
a very important voice right now. And you have to choose then how to use your voice. So it, it is, uh, are you going to use it to push yourself up or are you going to look at the bigger picture and see that the outdoors is important and let's utilize your voice in that way? I think that the women's voice is now being seen as not just influential, but valuable in in the media for the outdoors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that is why you're seeing more women in it. I think it's not just on their own, but I think that publications are seeing how important that voice is. So they're bringing more women on and they're seeing how uh, people are listening to people uh, like uh, like myself and like you and, and others that have conversations that are welcoming that see the other side. Mm-hmm. Carly Brousseau just did a conversation on a YouTube thing that was vegans versus hunters. And that could have gone awry. It could have been uh, defensive. It, it Yeah, it could have gone any way. But when I started looking through the comments and I watched the whole thing, And I started looking through the comments. There were people on there who weren't hunters who were against hunting, but they saw the respect that came from the conversation. They saw her in a moment of a question being asked saying, I don't know the answer to that. Or I respect your lifestyle because that's your choice. And they go, well, maybe hunters aren't all that bad. And it's all in mm-hmm. how you communicate. And I think that that's why outdoor media is so important. But what do you have? So with your role in the outdoor industry, because you're not just a president of POMA. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a little bit of background on on what you have been doing in the past couple of years. Yeah, I actually just celebrated my 10 year anniversary of being out on my own. So after Sportsman Channel, I I went out on my own and and became a consultant or an entrepreneur, which I came from a family of entrepreneurs, you know, my dad farming, Mm -hmm. my mom had her own business as well. And um, so it wasn't something I strived for. I wasn't seeking to do this on my own. But at the time, my boss at Sportsman Channel said, you really need to do this. I think you can do this. Mm -hmm. So I guess with his encouragement of just saying that simple sentence, uh, I struck out on my own and, and I kept Sportsman Channel as a client even, and I still have, and then they merged with Outdoor Channel Mm -hmm. and World Fishing Network and all the publications to create Outdoor Sportsman Group. Um, And I still have them as a client to this day which is great. Most of, and most of my clients I've had over the 10 years that I've been in business, mm-hmm. which I know is unusual It is uh, for, for a consultancy such as myself, but um, I am actually friends with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in weddings. I attend functions. I, I'm pretty close, which again, a lot of people will argue that's not best practices. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't become friends with your clients. Um, It could lead to detrimental things. And I actually see the opposite Mm. of that. I I see that closeness only making our relationship and our professional relationship stronger and better. Yeah. So, well, it's real. It's like you said, it's, it's relationship. It is the mm-hmm. trust that comes with that. It's uh, it's the ability to say, hey, I, I'm speaking into this, not just because you have hired me, but because I know you. Right. And I care. Yes. I mean, not to say that any other agency doesn't care about their client, but like, I truly care. Mm-hmm. You know, I live or die. If something happens on my watch, you know, I, I live or die by that. And if, you know, if my client texts me at 8 p.m. at night and they need something, you know, last minute that oopsies, I forgot, you know, and I know it's important, you know, I, I get it done. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we do respect one another and we don't typically talk on the weekends. You know, we respect each other's time and, and but, you know, we remember birthdays. We remember anniversaries. Yeah. It's personal. 
Right. It's I guess that's the only way I know how to do business. Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't know any other way. I don't um, think and, I and, do either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and like, you can go around and round with people about, like I said, the pros and cons of doing that. Um, but I tell when I, when I propose new business, when I'm meeting a, a prospective client, I, I've learned to tell them now that, look, you know, I know you're hiring me to help you with your social media, but, but just know that I'm going to get all up in your business. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to want to know everything about yeah. your business because knowing everything about your business just helps me do it better. Yeah. It, it, it also helps you to protect. It helps you to, right. well, and that all goes hand in hand. I, as a family photographer or a birth photographer, whatever, I just don't do weddings. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't have, I don't, I get it. yeah, I don't have the mental strength to deal. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but everybody else, like once you're, once you're wedded, bring me your business and right. it, it becomes. Well, take six months. Yes. Calm the hell down. Give me a call. Yes. <laughs> but I become part of their family. Like I've had clients that I have been with for almost you know, a decade and a half. And yeah. it's because yeah. it's relational. It's because, like you said, I remember the birthdays. I remember the anniversaries. I remember mm-hmm. um, the things that happen that aren't great and check in. And and I think that that we I think businesses have lost that. They have gone in the opposite direction of keeping it very stoic and very uh, yeah. Personal, yeah, very separated because then when there's a separation, there's no hurt. There's yeah. no drama. It's just well, all and cut and dry. Always looking for like the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. And yeah. I don't care if it's if it's marriage or relationship or business, the grass ain't greener no. on the other side of the fence, people. Okay. No, it like, has its own problems over there too. Right. You can fire your agency and be like, I'm going to get a brand new agency who has all these great ideas. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, they they might they might have a few great ideas, but they're probably going to come up with the same shit that your previous agency was doing. It's true. It's true, because if you're if your current agency is telling you you need to change this, this, this and this, there is probably a reason. And <laughs> you're not going to get a different answer from somebody else because they're just wanting to help you. They're they're just wanting to push. Right. They're just that growth. And if you're doing something that's keeping you from doing that, then they're just going to push you you're, no matter where you go. Um, but, yeah. I Do you have any suggestions for people if they are out there looking for who um, – I'm sure you've got a lot, but do you have, if somebody is say, I'm looking for the top three things in an agency, what should mm-hmm. those three things be? You know, a, a lot of businesses are learning the nimbleness mm-hmm. of working with a solopreneur like myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to say like, there's a lot of solopreneurs who have their, their hands and many other, like we, we have contacts and we do sub out things. Mm-hmm. So at times I can be a little mini agency. You just don't really know it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just all on the back end. But but you know, as as the business that you're hiring me, you get me. What you see is what you get. And and with an agency, sometimes you get the intern. Yeah. Oh shit, that person left. Now we gotta bring someone new in. Yes. Like constant turnover. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and, you know, and agencies bill differently. I'm on, I'm, I do a monthly retainer. I don't care if I work 10 hours. I don't care if I work 60 hours. It, I, I honestly don't care about the hours because I look at the work and I figure out the monthly retainer from there. And some months are good and some months aren't so good. But at the end of the day, it, it really does all even out. Right. So I, I don't worry about it. Like an agency, would worry about it more because they have employees. I mean, they, they have payroll to make, they have insurance to pay out. And I don't have that. Thank right. God. Yeah. I, there's just, there's a lot of pros and cons with agencies versus um, a solopreneur. And I guess the second thing I would, I would look at is, I mean, you as the business need to be truthful with whoever you're hiring. You need to not lie to yourself, not lie to that person. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because a lot of times people are withholding information back because I think because they're lying to themselves, to be honest with you. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But being able to be honest with one person versus yeah. a whole crew is a little bit, I guess, a softer cushion, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and realize and a lot of people just don't aren't clear on their goals. They just aren't like and they think they know one thing because they read an article on Huffington Post or they their neighbor told them this, that and that they should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're hiring me as an expert or you're hiring, you know, you need to listen to that expert because they've been doing it for a long time. So be very clear in your goals and what you want to accomplish. And if you don't know that, then be honest on that too. <laughs> yeah, because there's troubleshooting on that. I Three years ago when I got on social media for hunting, it was because I saw an Alabama deer and – didn't shoot it as a hunter. In Tennessee, you can't. So I was abiding by the rules. Oh. I don't know if I would have anyways. It was a very, right. right. It was a very spiritual thing for me. It was, yeah. anyways, that was personal choice, but it went crazy. Like it went everywhere. And I met with somebody. How do I handle this? How do I? Um, where do I go from here? And the first question they asked me was, well, where do you want it to go? What are your goals? What, how do you want to play off of this? And at the time I did not know, I had Mm -hmm. no idea. Mm -hmm. And they said, that's okay. (laughs) It's okay for you not to know. You need to investigate it. You need to kind of dig deep and see what do you want to do with that? Do you want Right. To go somewhere Listen with that? Gut. Or do you mm-hmm. want to step back and, and look at something else? And the way that I stepped back and started investing in relationships through social media, it built into finding my passion, which was talking to people like you. And I don't it's think if... Yeah. Oh, it... Three years later, it did not even I I could not have even guessed that this is where I would be three years ago. And if I had rushed into something at that point in time, I would not be where I am today. So oh, for, yeah. for somebody to say, well, why don't why don't you take a step back and just figure it out? Then that was a gift, right? It wasn't capitalizing on what kind of money they could have made or what kind of push this that they could have done. It was if they knew that if I didn't have passion behind it and if it wasn't something that organically could happen, that it wasn't going to happen. And that takes self-control. That takes the ability to say, you know, not right now. And that's okay. So... You need people to speak truth into your life and you need to find somebody that can do that. Yep. Yeah. I'm very good at being honest and truthful. So. I know you are. <laughs> and that's Probably good. to my detriment. But. <laughs> I know you are. But that kind of goes hand in hand with, I think, and I've had conversations about this at POMA as well. I think that people are starting to steer away from the fake and I think they're starting well, they're to starting to recognize it. Like 100%. they're starting to recognize it what it is. They're getting you know? tired of it. They're getting tired yeah. of pretend and they want real and they want that authentic, organic, like give me the good, bad and the ugly because it's real. Right. Um, I don't want to follow somebody and follow their life story if everything is rainbows and unicorns. Mm -hmm. I need to know that they are somebody I can relate to, that I can Mm -hmm. see struggling because it is not easy, whether you're hunting, fishing, backpacking, climbing, whatever you're doing, homesteading. If you're just, you know, an entrepreneur, if you don't hear just, if you are an entrepreneur, if you are a single mom, if you are whatever you are, it's I need to know real. And I think that is kind of where we're leaning into with media is I'm tired of the fake bullshit. Right. 
It, and Instagram is seeing that too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why you're seeing all these changes with the algorithm and, um, you know, they, they have bots now that are reading the photo and deciding if the photo is matching the caption. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insane. And that's all because of influencers. Like people love to quote unquote game the system. Yep. And it's, it's now you've really messed it up. So congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) But if you were just authentic Mm -hmm. and true from the very beginning, you wouldn't have to game the system. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. And, and I don't know if it's, you know, they don't want to be themselves on social media. Like they want to be this different persona. Um, It'll catch up to you. Yeah. I mean, either you're going to, hate yourself burn out mm-hmm. fall i mean you're just gonna fall off social media you're gonna realize well this really isn't for me yeah yeah it's the it's the real people who you're not gonna run out of content when it's real you're not gonna run out yeah. you're not gonna post something just to post something because you have to and you still have people that do that but you start noticing you start looking, you start seeing uh, who is paying for those likes and for right. the followers because everybody's looking at engagement. I am looking at how you are conversating with people, how you're engaging them, how you are creating conversation, how you're educating. Because if it's just a picture and a caption and then all of these comments and you haven't responded once... Like, uh-uh, that's not. Oh, I love, oh, it's not even so much in our industry. I mean, this is just ramp, everywhere. Ramp, uh-huh. yeah, everywhere, yeah. But I love the, and it's usually a woman. It's like a beautiful picture of this woman doing whatever the hell she's doing, selling whatever the hell she's selling. Yeah. And, and it's like these stupid ass quotes that they put in and then like a couple <laughs> of emojis, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they have like, a thousand comments and they don't, they don't respond to any of it. None. And then there's this one particular, she, she actually sells purses. She remakes, she kind of revamps vintage purses, mm-hmm. which is a cool business plan. And then I was watching her stories the other day and she's like, Oh, do you guys want me to teach you how to do social media? And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Mm-mm. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't. Now you're going to, yeah. From selling purses to teaching people how to do social media because you have like 100,000 followers because you sell freaking purses. Mm-mm. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, I hate to say stay in your lane, but those are the kind of situations where I want to say that. And it, it is something that, you know, I do notice when I'm looking for people to talk to, I do notice, do you have 100,000 followers And then you you have two likes or you have one comment and you didn't even respond back to that one comment. Like, come on, that's, that's not real. That's not engagement. You are not trying to communicate. You were not trying to, um, educate, like there's no engagement. And I think that, like we said before, people are getting tired of that. They, they're, I think COVID shifted us into that. I think that the desire for relationship through friendship, through uh, business relationships, whatever it is, I think that COVID shifted us into we need that more because when you lose it face to face, you start you start craving it. And Mm -hmm. I, I guess if we were looking for a pro to come from that, maybe that COVID shifted us into needing real engagement, real relationship. Thanks. Or at least <laughs> spotting the fake. Yeah. Spotting but, the fake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning, learning that. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what these, some of these people are doing, but anyway, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, another conversation. That is a whole nother conversation. I did want to ask you being in the industry and I'm putting that in quotations, being in the yeah. outdoor industry, how, what are some of the pros and cons have you seen that affect your outdoor living, the way that the outdoors still 
I guess, moves mm. through you? How has it affected you in a positive way of getting you out more to where you can really enjoy it? Or has there been a few cons in making it more business related versus personal? Yeah, it, it is more business. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that. Um, my non-business stuff tends to be kayak camping trips with my girlfriends, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that doesn't involve hunting. I actually, I actually probably would never go hunting with a group of women, to be honest with you. Yeah. Cause I've, I've seen and heard. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> I have absolute mm-hmm. horror stories. Yep. <laughs> I have been on one of those. We could talk later about that, but I've yeah. also been on two really great ones and yeah. well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope this next one is just as great. Like seriously, mm-hmm. uh, eyes wide open. Right. But right. I think, it, and I think it's opened up my eyes too to all the different opportunities. Um, I was the first one in my household between my husband and I to own a gun. I own a few guns before my husband really got into it. Mm-hmm. And now he's super into it. He used to hunt with his dad when he was like teenager, you know, they would bow hunt they went gun hunt and that was in Wisconsin. Um, and now he, he has talked to me about wanting to do a mule deer hunt for whatever reason. I don't know. He just, and so, yeah. and so I'm like, okay, like it's taken, I've literally been in this industry for 20 years and <laughs> he's jumping he's on been, board <laughs> he's been with me that, I mean, we've been together since I was 18. So mm-hmm. he's been with me that entire time, but yeah, it's, it's coming full circle finally. Um, and I think it's a great industry. To, it's a very small industry, which people don't really understand or realize. Mm-hmm. It's a very small industry. And I, I really enjoy being a part of it. I think I was made for it. I think everything that I, you know, from working at the car auction with a bunch of crooks um, to mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> working at Sportsman Channel, I mean, all of it, you know, has led me here. And it's it's for a reason, you know, God put me on this path. So yeah, I think that that is one of like when you're starting to think about being involved, not just in your day to day, enjoying it for your own personal pleasure. But when you jump into the other side of it, you kind of have to ask yourself how and what what sacrifices are you willing to take? What Where's that line? And setting that line. It's like mm-hmm. I used to work in healthcare. I used to work in the OR. Well, where was mm-hmm. the line? When when, or what would be my line of I don't need to be any, here anymore? Right. It's when I lose a patient. Do I... Do I still feel that grief or am I just packing up and moving on to the next patient? And at that point in time, when the empathy is gone, when the feelings and the emotions are gone, then I'm like, ooh, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need to take a step back. That's burnout. That's, you lose humanity a little bit in it. So stepping into the industry of the outdoors, are you losing the fun? Are you losing what that spark And I think that it goes back to what we were talking about, not being real and authentic. It becomes the job versus why you do it. And I think that those two things can overlap as long as you stay on track and as long as you still have that passion for it, then you will still receive out of it as well as give into it. Yeah, for me, it's not so much the outdoors industry as it's as it's about me being a social media manager, a social media consultant. Yeah, you know, I am ruined on on social media. <laughs> like, if I, you know, just between all of us here on this podcast, if I weren't <laughs> doing social media, I would not be on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I would have gotten rid of that years ago. Yeah. Um, and I would probably have just kept Instagram because I like my husband. And I send each other cat videos literally all day long. We send each other cat videos. On Instagram. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, um, I don't, I wouldn't be on Facebook except I, I still have grandparents that are on Facebook and that's the um, only way that they get to see pictures of family, yeah. but that's personal, not business. 
Yep. Yeah. I so social media has kind of ruined me a little bit mm-hmm. for my own social media stuff. Like I, I actually don't post that often on my own account. I'm a social media manager with 900 followers. Some people would say, well, you're really shitty at your job. And my response is it's not about me. Yep. It's absolutely not about me. It's about my clients. And and see, I get that from being a PR person for a national cable network, because if you're a PR person, I don't care where you're at. You could be the PR person for freaking target. It's not about you, no. the PR person. It's about Target. Yeah. And people don't really understand that when they become a social media manager, especially in the outdoor industry. They, holy shit, the egos. Wow. Like mm-hmm. they think it's about them and they create accounts and they're, you know, and I, I don't even talk about my clients that much. Like I don't, I don't post on social media, all the things I'm doing for my clients. Like because it's none of your freaking business. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's not your life. I mean, it is your life business wise, but it's not your personal life. It's not. Right. Yeah. You're, you're able to kind of keep them separate on that account. I have to, mm-hmm. I ha- cause, cause I do get social media burnout and that's yeah. when I just kind of go dark, you know, on social media period. I just, mm-hmm. you know what, even with Poma, I did not take selfies with people. I, Mm-mm. I didn't post very much during the conference. I wanted to be there. Yes. Same moment. Yeah. And I didn't want to sit here and be like, Oh, what kind of picture can I post or what Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, video can I do? Like, no, I just wanted to take it in. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wish more people would do that. Like I appreciate the content for Poma. I appreciate using the hashtag and tagging. Yeah. but you know, just there's balance. Live in the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's balance. There's I, I have been. I can't tell you how many how many hunts I've been on with people. And they're like, "Hey, me, can you send us the pictures that you took? You're a photographer." I'm like, I didn't even pull my phone out. I was shooting oh, things. Snap. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't even yeah, like. Did you hire? No, Karen. Like, uh-uh. Did you hire me as a photographer no. on this hunt? Mm-mm. No, I'm a hunter on yeah. this hunt. I came you know, to experience that. Yes. And if, if I was hired for that, if I, well, that's different than I'm coming to it's do a job. A whole different mindset. It's 100%. a whole different mindset. I yeah. still want to enjoy myself out there. I still yeah. want to, I want to be, if I am with people, I want to experience being with them and learning from them. Like the learning right. part is what I take in the most. But when I'm by myself, I just want to be by myself. I, yeah. I want to enjoy what I'm doing in that moment, not feel like it's got to be documented the whole time. Having I'm definitely I'm definitely taking less pictures the older I get. Yeah. Yeah. Um to the detriment of my family, I'm the same. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like let's just live in this moment, put everything away and um there's value in that, I think, yeah. um big time. So well, I, there was, there was one more thing that I wanted to ask you and it was, it kind of goes back to mentors um, mm. because I believe that teaching and passing on is the best way for us to continue what we're doing. And I didn't know if you had any along your, whether it's in just the outdoors or it's in the business or that you wanted to kind of shout out to you or, or give advice on? You know, I'm such a loner. I am, I am, it probably goes back to that childhood thing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so independent. I'm such a loner. I, I always sought out mentors, but maybe I did a shitty job of connecting with them. I don't know. <laughs> um, or, you know, maybe we just, or maybe they were just crappy mentors. I don't know, but <laughs> it happens. <laughs> It happens. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, there are definitely people that help me along the way. Um, you know, I started working at Sportsman Channel, one of the co-founders, Todd Hansen. He was the one that actually encouraged me to go out on my own when mm-hmm. my time there was done. Yeah. You know, and he he was always an entrepreneur his entire life. He was always a businessman his entire life. So I think I don't know if he meant to mentor me, but I think, you know, you, like you said, you see the actions that others take. They're louder than words sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think when I started moving out on my own, um, 
there's a lady who was actually the first female president of Poma. Believe it or not, I'm not the first female president. <laughs> um, her name was Tammy Diane Sapp, and she's going to hate me for calling her out. Uh, but she was the director of communication. She was the head PR lady at National Wild Turkey Federation under Rob Keck for about 20, 25 years. And then she moved into the head PR, head director of communications position at Bass Pro Shops. Okay, yeah. Um, which sounded, it was a really shitty job from what I can understand. So I don't recommend doing that. Um, and now she works for the Florida, you know, state kind of DNR conservation people, whatever mm-hmm. they were to call Florida. And so she's always been, cause she kind of paved the way, um, for, you know, a female in a very male dominated industry. And she, she's also a workaholic. I am not a workaholic, but I remember spending time with her at SHOT Show when you're on the floor from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. And then you're going out for dinner until 10 p.m. And she was back in her room working right until midnight or whatever. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I, you know, we need this. I have to get this done. I'm like, yeah, but you worked all day. Like you've been working. And she's like, I got, you know, we need this done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, no. I'm not <laughs> so <laughs> you kind of see what to do and what not to do and take what is needed right. to apply to your life and what works in your life. And right. I think that those are valuable lessons that you take from people who not just inspire you, but mentor you. I think there's a difference between inspiration, like gathering inspiration from people and actually being mentored by people. But I think that you can have mentors that they might not have even known that they were your mentors. Yeah. And we still, I still stay in touch with Tammy Mm -hmm. here and there. Um, We're actually have the same birth date. So I think that's one of the reasons why we connect so well. Um, But I think you're right. I think she, she inspired, I, I wanted to, I was going to climb the corporate ranks. Okay. In my twenties, I was going to be somebody. I was the first person in my family to get a college degree. And I was the youngest of four. Mm-hmm. My dad only went to like sixth grade and he's owned multiple million dollar businesses. My mom, God love her, didn't graduate high school because she got pregnant with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shit happens. They're, they're married 55 years. Everything turned out okay. Yeah. So, but like, so I was like, I'm going to be somebody, you know, I'm going to climb the corporate ranks. I had this vision of driving a really nice car and making hundred thousand dollars a year because back then six feet, right? Six figures. figures. That was like the thing. Um, and I was going to be like vice president of whatever the hell. And somewhere along the line, probably when I struck out on my own, I realized, holy shit, I do not want that Mm -hmm. at all. I do Mm -hmm. not want to be the vice president of a corporation for Bass Pro Shops or Target or Best Buy or any of those large corporations because, ugh. That's a perfect way to describe it. (laughs) Yeah. But it takes working in the uh to figure out that's not what you want. It's it's seeing what somebody else has to go through to be there that you go, ooh, that's not that's a valuable lesson to take with me. And and I think that a lot of people, if they don't stand back and look at the bigger picture of that, that they miss it. And then they wonder where the hell they are at the end like when they finally get there, like, this is yeah. not what I thought it was going to be. Well, this is you, not what I signed up uh-uh. for. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, gra- uh, we started the conversation. Grass is not greener on the other side. Yeah. It's just not like you think that that position is so glamorous and oh my God, you, you know, you do this, that, and I, it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. I do not like working that hard. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there is importance in in balance between work and play, and play is yeah. just as important, if not more. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, <laughs> thanks <laughs> for hanging out with me and and talking. I love to know the backgrounds of people. I love to know what makes you tick, and I think that 
getting those kind of details, um, it again goes back to relationship. It goes back to real. It goes back to not everything's perfect, but this this is why I've made the choices that I've made. And this is why I am who I am today. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. No regrets. Absolutely no regrets. No. Regrets. no. Tell people how they can follow you. If you like wine and cat videos, you can yes. follow me on Instagram at Lady Sportsman. <laughs> Lady Sportsman is the handle that I started on Twitter when Twitter first, I was there when Twitter first started. Oh, uh, Twitter. I was still <laughs> channel. Yeah. Um, I was super into Twitter. Now I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but. <laughs> A whole nother podcast. <laughs> A whole nother podcast. <laughs> A whole so Lady Sportsman. If you want to talk social media, um, if you're having troubles with your social media mm-hmm. uh, I can certainly help you out or, or point you in the right direction as well yeah you are a valuable source of information and <laughs> you do a great job of if you don't know pointing people in the direction they yeah. need to go in so um, I think that's an attribute not many people have and I respect that yeah so, thanks you're welcome thank you very much Michelle thank you